we're going to talk about our favorite Christmas movies, our least favorite Christmas movies, what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie, everyone's least favorite debate, and uh, the lack of Hanukkah movies. Oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> there is, um, if you Google a Hanukkah movie. <laughs> are there actually like, like I'm, I'm sure there are Hanukkah movies, but are there any like famous Hanukkah movies that like, that are like mainstream? Um, Eight Crazy Nights is a cartoon with Adam Sandler that he made. Really? Adam Sandler has a Hanukkah movie? Oh, he, that's pretty hype. Yeah, it, and, and Seth Rogen like wore a Hanukkah, tacky Hanukkah sweater in one of those Christmas movies. So like, I'm going to include that. Oh, um, uh, is it the night before? Yeah, when they play Runaway and um, on the piano, big style. Wasn't that with um, Anthony Mackie and like Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt? Yes. Am and I remembering that correctly? I've never seen it. I just like recently saw the trailer for it. <laughs> I know. I've only seen the trailer too. Because you know what else have I been doing for ten days? But if you Google Hanukkah movies, the first thing that comes up is "Call Me by Your Name." So I don't really know what the search engine is thinking right now. It, is it's there, not a Hanukkah movie. <laughs> well, is there anything? Is there anything Jewish, Jewish in that movie? They both were starred David Nicholson. Did they really? Yeah, they're Jewish. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, Another thing that Timothy Chalamet has that you'll never have. Oh God, yeah, this one. But you know what I have that Timothy Chalamet doesn't have? Body fat. <laughs> a normal, <laughs> a normal body mass index. <laughs> a healthy BMI and not hurting the entire NYU female student body. <laughs> in ways. Oh, Timothy Chalamet, I'll forever be envious of you and your, in your, post like look like a dude who just came off of a 90 day binge of fucking i don't know what was i going with that i was going to make something about his uh his weight but i'm i'm just i'm kind of running out of things to say about him all right let's move on to christmas movies so lee and i before we started recording of course we're arguing and we were but then we we're like let's save the arguing for the kids because they all like to hear it and we were talking about what makes a christmas movie a christmas movie because i'm under the impression that Saying Die Hard is a Christmas movie no longer makes you quirky and unique. Like, it's not a funny take <laughs> anymore. Like, it was a funny take, like, four years ago. But, but I mean, it's... Yeah, so I watched it again, and I also watched the second one, which is actually also based during Christmas. Um, I guess what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie... Here's the thing I've noticed about Christmas movies. I was thinking about this earlier today. If Christmas is a theme in a movie at all, it's typically based around – it's not like – remember our argument with sports? And I was like, a lot of movies include sports in them, but that's not necessarily what the movie is about, if that makes sense. So you're saying that a Christmas movie doesn't need necessarily be about the spirit of Christmas. It just needs to happen around Christmas time. And it depends on what you mean by the spirit of Christmas. Because, like, are we talking about, fan, like, what it means to be family? Like, you know, being with your family, love, being thankful, like, all this kind. There's so many different, like, I think Christmas is probably one of the most, what is it, subjective or objective? Which one's the one where it's, like, vague? Subjective. Subjective, yeah. <laughs> idiot. <It's, laughs> idiot. <laughs> I'm a business major, okay? All I, had to, all I had to know how to do was read graphs and charts. Okay. I, still, I still can't do that. My thing, though, is that if you're going to say Die Hard's a Christmas movie, then can you say Eyes Wide Shut by Stanley Kubrick is a Christmas movie? Is that the place during Christmas? 
Yeah, and like the Christmas lights and all that. But it's like, if you if we say that, then Uncut Gems is a Passover movie because they go to a Passover Seder. Like, well, I oh, think- you know, you know, what's an interesting point to make about that is because Christmas means something different to everybody. Think, remember the, uh, you know, the song um, in Elf where it's like, every time it rains, it rains. Like our generation interprets that as a Christmas. I've always thought of that as a Christmas song ever since then. I've it, always thought it was a Christmas song. It like it, in my head it is because I associate it with Elf, but it's not at all a Christmas song. So I don't know. It, it's different for everyone. I think there's a lot more gray, gray area when it comes to Christmas movies. Um, Maybe I, this is my long, elaborate way of trying to get you to agree that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I think it's just fun to have arguments and not agree with you, so. Okay, well, all right, well, that's just mean and harsh, okay? I'm never mean to you. Before we get into our favorite Christmas movies, do you want to talk about your least favorite? Because I have some that fill me with rage. Oh, I haven't really thought about my least favorite. Um, well, I'll start. <laughs> okay, yeah. Why don't you start? Um, as many of you know, the Polar Express. Is oh, my, I knew this where it was gonna go. Is my least favorite movie of all time. It fills me with rage. I hate everything about it. I hate the characters. I, why? Why? I don't see why Tom Hanks had to be the voice for everyone except that little nerd boy who is the worst. And hey, hey, you. <laughs> You know what kind of train this is? You know what kind of train this is? (laughs) Um, And honestly, like, I don't care if the hot, the men with the hot chocolate come into my house and beat me for saying this, but I don't. They could definitely take you. They could. I would not. They're acrobatic as fuck. (laughs) Those guys scare me. The puppet scene is horrifying. The way they did the animation, you guys, we, we talked about the Uncanny Valley before, so I won't talk too much about it, but. No, no other movie fills me. For people, for, for people who don't know what in, the Uncanny Valley is, that's when you look at something that doesn't necessarily fully look like a human, but... Almost does. Almost does, but enough, but it doesn't look like a human enough for you to fully be comfortable with it. It's almost an unsettling feeling. I... And I guess, I, I guess I get that a little bit with it. I just remember we went and saw it with a family friend and they were asking us like what our favorite part was. And I was just quite frankly, not impressed at age six. And I was like, I don't know the, the part where they're on the computer belt. You were a movie snob even back when you were six years old. Can you imagine three foot two Katie with a little Bob smoking? I'm imagining you, I'm imagining you like watching Veggie Tales or something (laughs) and in, in class and you critically critiquing it. Like, where's the juxtaposition of it all? <laughs> there um, was absolutely no setup or atmosphere in that scene. Like it's, uh, talking, it's, it's talking vegetables, Katie. Fuck. Also, second movie I don't like, The Grinch. Which one? All of them. Good question. All of them? All Even of the them. animated and the Jim the Carrey? The ones are worse. Jim Carrey, I like you. You did great in the Truman Show. I hate the Grinch. It's so annoying. It's overdone. Matthew Morrison. Did Matthew Morrison, did that just, is that the only reason you hate it right now? Because I feel like you didn't have that opinion before. I think it scarred me. Matthew Morrison, like, sexualizing the Grinch and basing it off of the Joker. Okay, so you're using, 
using that random ass yeah. live play yes. to influence your judgment about every other Grinch before that. I think the Grinch is annoying. Like we get it. And I think I'm a little jealous that I could never have been Cindy Lou Who because she was a little blonde girl. I think that's what made me dislike blonde people from a very young age. Because you hate Cindy Lou Who? God, I just want to punch her in the face. Why? Just look at her. Those little great. You are not providing good explanations for your hatred. The thing is, though, is like, do I need explanations for my hatred? Like, you know, when you just in your deep in your soul, you hate something. No, I love everything. I'm a joyous person. Okay, well, if you're a cold-hearted human like me, you don't need explanations to dislike things. Okay, I'll give it to you then. But <laughs> okay, you can't moving you on. can't you can't tell me that the Grinch with Jim Carrey as odd as it might be, Jim Carrey's performance is pretty hilarious in it. And and the original animated Grinch is a fun story. Boring. Oh god. Wait, right. what are your um, five favorite Christmas movies? Okay. Um, starting at number five, I will give it to Home Alone. Wow. And, yeah. I will, and, why don't, okay, so why don't we each go through and explain our choices? I'll do my number five, then you do your number five, and we'll go down to number one. Okay. So, number five is Home Alone. I loved it. I love the idea of, I always thought it was so cool how, you know, a, a little kid taking on bandits just because every little kid thinks that'd be them in that situation. Like, oh yeah, my house about to be robbed. I'm about to fucking turn it into a mini saw episode and several times violently injure them. And it's awesome. But in reality, Kevin McAllister is an absolute psychopath and he'll probably end up killing someone someday. But isn't he just the cutest little thing? <laughs> Um, so Home Alone's also my fifth. Um, and if you, everyone has Netflix, there is a documentary called The Movies That Made Us, and Home Alone is one of them. And I actually really recommend watching it. The history of how it was made and, like, how long it took to be made and, like, how many different companies it went through and disasters and actors and sets. It's, it's actually, it's, like, really interesting. Like, mm -hmm. the, the house was built inside of a school gym and that's, like, where they did everything. They didn't use stunt doubles for um, the wet band in. So Joe Pesci was truly getting the shit beat out of him. Um, <laughs> there was a swear jar on set for whenever- For Joe, Joe Pesci. <laughs> um, because he's so used to being in, in Marty's movies that- If you hear him, if you hear him like, it, like it, it, when he gets hurt, he always makes sounds like he's trying not to curse. Cause he's like- <laughs> Like clearly trying not to lose another 50 bucks in the swear jar. Yeah, so there, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, it went through so many different production companies. Um, what? Um, I mean, it's like a, it's an absurd plot. You know, there's so many, when you watch it, when you're older, you're like, why don't they just do this? But I think there comes a point where you just kind of have to go with it. And, um, and that's an interesting thing to say about Home Alone because, like, it's not exactly about the spirit of Christmas. Like it's set during Christmas and Christmas is what causes the family to leave in the first place. But the plot of the story is a family forgets their kid and he defends himself by abusing two nonviolent criminals. But like it's set during Christmas, but what Christmas elements play into it exactly? 
I mean, I think it is about, but this is where it gets to the subjective part. Cause you know, the big thing is he's alone on Christmas. Like I want, like the mom wants to get home on Christmas day. And that's like kind of, I, I will argue that, especially after watching the documentary, like they made everything in the house purposefully red and green, even like the furniture that wouldn't necessarily be like seasonal. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when it comes into when you're saying like, it depends on like what Christmas part of Christmas you value, like being together with your family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. But I mean, the main plot is not so much spirit of Christmas, blah, blah, blah. It's more about this dude violently uh, trapping these criminals into the sadistic world of torture. And Fair. then his family comes back at the end. They're like, oh, hey, Kevin, we love you. And then, <laughs> you remember when they like, they come back, they're like, hey, like, we love you, Kevin. And they just leave and they all leave him alone. And he's sitting there in the middle like, wow, I'm like, that's, this is Joker origin story. My my favorite part is when the mom went through all of that to get home and she made it home 10 seconds before the rest of the family. Like she, you know, like <laughs> switched flights. She drove in the car with John Candy and the band and she got home oh, yeah. 30 seconds before them. And she's like, hey, honey, how did you and the kids get here so fast? Yeah. And, and then they made a whole other movie where she literally, she's like, Oh, she looked at the camera, Jim face. I did it again. I, 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 I left the same child alone again. I was going to bait put Home Alone 2 also in there because maybe it's just my love for New York, but. That one, that, I think that one's a little more Christmassy. Because of the church scene. and Church like, scene, yeah. That, that's definitely more of a Christmas movie. And New York City like, is just such a Christmas vibe in yeah. the winter. It's and, like the definition of a Christmas vibe. I think also if your movie is set in December in New York, like it's going to be a Christmas movie. Like that's true. If not, at least it's going to have, it's going to have Christmas in it. Um, Okay. My number four was national lampoons Christmas vacation. So (laughs) I've never seen national lampoons Christmas vacation. And it's one of those movies that if people bring up, I'm like, Oh yeah, seen it oh it's one of those movies that you fake act like you know but yeah i i do have a couple of those i think that like i still haven't gotten around to watching but i've seen enough scenes and read enough reviews to have an opinion about it a fake opinion oh yeah that's like me with the matrix like i have no interest in seeing the matrix but i'm like yeah the matrix (laughs) the red blue and the 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 red pill the blue pill tell me about Uh, it like i (laughs) totally you've totally seen it then um I'll, I'll let you continue. Okay. Um, yeah, shut up. Um, so National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Once you kind of get past the fact that um, Chevy Chase is like spies doctor, um, you can really like break down and enjoy this because it is so funny. Like it's just, it, it's, it's a funny Christmas movie. It, it's, you know, you don't really think too hard about, you know, it doesn't have any like intense messages. It's not deep, like, you know, Miracle on 34th Street or anything. Like it's, it's just funny. And it, it's funny in that 80s kind of way, if you, if you know what I mean. Because we all know there is, a, there is a stark difference between 80s humor and like today's humor. Yeah. And it is the epitome of 80s humor for me. And I just, it's so quotable, you know. Why is the floor wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. So you don't get that. But <laughs> I wouldn't know, but I'm laughing. Just you wouldn't like know, but but you would laugh if you had seen it. <laughs> but it's so quotable. Um, 
you know, uh, who played the kid? That hold on, I remember seeing, um, remembering that the kid, his son, is like, oh, here it is. Was like someone famous. Oh yeah, it was John Galecki, that kid from, uh, or the guy from, what do you call it? Big Bang Theory. Anyways, I feel like no one's gonna really care that I just said that, but I thought it was crazy. I'm sure Jennifer um, will be like, "Yeah, Lee." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like shut up. Um, oh, uh, Randy Quaid playing cousin Eddie, probably one of the best side characters ever. Um, loved how it kind of like encapsulated the the weird extended family. It's like you, you know on TikTok that trend where it's like, uh, before you even uh, call me, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the trend where it's like um go play with your little cousin or go play with the neighbor's kid it's like the neighbor's kid and it's like a fucking like i don't know some smeagol looking ass motherfucker or something like okay i'm not on that side of tiktok but okay <laughs> it's just me but it, nope, just know, me. <laughs> we all we all we all know like the you know the weird cousins or the the weird the weird extended family people that like might come with that you don't get along with and that, that was like the perfect representation of that that like you love them and they offer so much but like they're always going to be a little weird and that's kind of like what randy's quaid character that's okay i'm done with that since you haven't seen it but what's your number four um before i say my number four i wanted to do a little shout out to the number six one that's not going to make it but deserves credit is um the muppets christmas carol which oh my god say is the best adaptation of A Christmas Carol. And I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. I'm not going to elaborate. I keep hearing, okay, I actually haven't seen that, but I've heard it's funny. I just, I I love the Muppets. I just, I really love Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. They're, You no. really like Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy? <laughs> oh. <laughs> take it out of context. We learned a little bit about Katie. <laughs> I, but you better not, you better not uh, clip this out of the final um i love the muppets that's going to be what i summarize for that um and just leave it at that because this is getting weird and it wasn't meant to my fourth favorite (laughs) anyways my fourth favorite christmas movie is elf okay (laughs) that's 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 a little higher up or like that i that's a little like further up towards that's my number two, I think. So I, well, my one through three, I have like very like specific reasons and sentimental value. To me, Elf is just like an objectively good Christmas movie that anyone can enjoy, which I think is important. Like adults love Elf. My, it's my dad's favorite Christmas um. movie. And, like, that's, like, that typical movie where, like, the dad can bring the kids and he'll be, like, I can't believe I'm bringing the kids to the Christmas movie. But, like, they'll like it. And like, oh, they- they'll laugh. They'll, they'll hardcore laugh. Um, but, I, I mean, I love Will Ferrell. There's also a lot of really cool fun facts about Elf. Like, when he's doing his stuff around New York City and, like, hopping on It the- was guerrilla filmmaking. Yeah, like, the people weren't extras they were genuinely concerned for why a man-sized elf was doing that well Um, last night me and my family we watched the uh on netflix there's a documentary kind of like my i don't know if it's the same series like how like the movie how the movies we love were made or whatever but there's one about elf and like it kind of goes over all of that like all the little like extra details in there and like how it like it it was in development hell for a little bit because new line cinema like kept trying to like change the editing like change the entire fucking story 
but like John Favreau, our Lord and Savior, saved it. I was just about to say, John Favreau is really winning at life continuously. He really, he really is. This has nothing to do with Christmas, but you just said John Favreau. Yeah. And last night, I watched Chef for the first time on Netflix. Uh, quick re- re- recommendation, everyone. Chef was a fantastically feel-good movie that was pretty much food porn. Um, but it has like a bunch of random ass famous people in it and John Favreau wrote and directed it. And it like just about a, 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 a watered, a washed up celebrity chef, like tries to revisit or kind of revitalize his love for food and reconnect his relationship with his son by starting a food truck. And it's, it's actually really well written and kind of funny, but really feel good. It'd be a good like family movie since you're home with the fam. Highly recommend it. Uh, anyways, that's nothing to do with Christmas, but it's Christmas themes, family, food. I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a try. But I mean, John Favreau, he he does a great job. There's there's like a lot of cool stuff. They for making Will Ferrell look larger than all the other elves. Like they don't really they did like optical illusions and camera angles and placement. Oh. And you, you know what I I read that um there actually was a little bit of friction between uh, James Caan and Will Ferrell. Because, like, James Conn was actually, like, annoyed with how, like, childish Will Ferrell was. And that scene where he does the tickle fight, <laughs> where he's tucking him in, like, that was actually, he didn't, it, that was, like, it wasn't improvised, the tickling, but apparently Will Ferrell, like, he was only supposed to tickle him, like, a quick, like, jab, like, tickle, tickle. But he actually just grabbed the whole James Conn and threw him over his lap and was, like, actually, like, holding him down. And James Conn actually got visibly mad on camera. <laughs> And like, and, and, uh, and also, you know, the scene where uh, James Conn, where he comes in, Buddy comes in and uh, to, you know, um, Peter Dinklage. And he's like, look at you. Does Santa know, does Santa know you, you got here? And, uh, and he beats the shit out of him. And then James Conn yells at him. And to get James Conn to actually act it out, apparently John Favreau in front of the entire cast and crew whispered something in James Conn's ear and then he delivered that take that they used in the final cut and no one knew what he said whispering to his ear and then like 10 years later James Conn said he whispered into into my ear you're so you're Sonny fucking Corleone like that's all he said because he was trying to get pretty much get a reaction out of him like like hey you're Sonny fucking Corleone, his character from The Godfather, which like pretty much made him famous. <laughs> and pretty much said like, you're sucking for, you're Sonny fucking Corleone, ax the shit out of the scene, please. And that's like why he delivered like that actually decently good, like screaming, get out of my life now. He delivered. I mean, thank, and thank God for that. Thank yeah, God thank, for that. thank God for him pretty much. <laughs> At first I read, I read that. I thought he was, uh, John Favreau was like trying to get him mad, like, you're Sonny fucking Corleone, and here you are screaming at a man in tights in a kid's movie. <laughs> Look how, oh, how the mighty have fallen. fallen. That's good. What is your um, number three? Um, my number three was, oh, Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. That didn't make I, mine, but that's a, that's a sweet one. I like that one. I just, I like a good different Christmas movie. I feel like so many Christmas movies are. Oh, that is no. not quirky christmas movie no not i didn't say quirky i said different i said different it, it took a different approach to not it like, like other girls oh my god i hate you so much but 
it's just like I feel like a lot of them are like consistent themes and like consistent plot lines. But I kind of like the, it's kind of an interesting idea to you know, maybe it's because okay, it wasn't a classic for me because I watched that recently, like for the first time. I didn't know what it was about until like last year, and then I watched it for the first time last year. So it was like watching a new movie for me because I didn't even know what it was about. And then I watched it, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Like, literally, like what would happen if a guy, if actual Santa Claus, a guy popped up somewhere and actually said he was Santa Claus, like. How would the court system treat that? Like, would they actually declare him to be insane? Like, and in, real, in all reality, we all know that Santa would 100% be, like, the court system would fail the fuck out of him. He'd be thrown into an insane asylum. But, like, it was a, it, it was a cute and very well-paced and well-written, like, Christmas movie. The old one. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see the new one. It gave me, like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, When you do that, go- that makes me nervous. Um... Uh, why am I blanking? Wait, is it a f- what's uh wait? Why am I blanking? What's the what's the old movie about the court? Twelve, 12 Angry Men. Twelve Angry Men. It, it it gives me the, it's not the same plot at all, but it's the similar vibe. Like well written, not as much action happening or anything. It's much more like just talking, and it's been black and white, which is also a thing. But like I don't know, it takes place in the courts in a, in the court and like. Maybe it's because, like, those are two of the only movies I've seen that are back from that era, but it's a good movie. I recommend people watch it with their family. But Katie needs to watch it because she's being lame and only watches stuff when she's five and and forms an opinion based off that. Yeah, what's your number three? Okay, so this is a very off-the-beaten-track one, and I know for a fact you've never seen it, but I bet your sister has, and I bet your sister would agree. My third favorite Christmas movie is Eloise at Christmas Time. I do not think... I do not think it is available to watch anywhere anymore. We only saw it because we YouTubed it and it was posted like three hours before and I'm sure it got taken down like immediately after, but it is a, the movie, the Christmas movie of my childhood. So for those who don't know, um, Eloise is a children's book character who is basically like, six years old or eight, I don't know, and lives in the plaza in New York City with her nanny, who is played by Julie Andrews. Um, And her mother, like, they don't really clarify, like, what her mother does, but, like, the mother is, like, off traveling the world. And so, like, the stories are all about this eight-year-old running around the plaza, which is, like, the nicest hotel in New York, and, like, having all these adventures. And, like, she makes the hotel, like, her castle. And so, like, she's always, like, getting in people's business. and Like like, Annie? Yeah, except she's not, she's the opposite of an orphan. And so, Eloise at Christmas time, I mean. I'm sorry, opposite of an orphan. She has parents. Her parents aren't dead. <laughs> no, I mean, like, because she's rich, but <laughs> like Annie, but better and less sad. Oh. <laughs> but it's just a really sweet Christmas movie. It has a really good musical score. Um, at one point, two characters reenact a scene from my favorite musical, Gypsy. She's basically just, like, causing and solving problems as eight-year-olds do and, like, running around the hotel. And there's this one scene where her and Julia Andrews go Christmas shopping and they have a horse-drawn carriage and they, like, go to, like, a thousand different shops. And it's basically, like, any girl's dream. Okay, so I can see why this is something that, like, a lot of young girls would really love. Yeah, it, it's just like it, so, is this a is this a Disney Channel TV movie? It's like it was like before that though. But before, like what when oh, I'm looking at it right now. This is from 2003. 
Yeah, and but it has like an amazing cast. Like it has um, Julia Andrews, Jeffrey Tambor for all my Arrested Development for um, fans, Christine Baranski. Like basically, she tries to like stop a wedding from happening and get the girl to like fall back in love with one of the guys that works at the hotel staff. And it's just cute and sweet. And I the, won't- the plot sounds like you mix every Disney Channel TV movie into one yes it, it gives me parent trap yes mixed with annie mixed with uh a sweet life of zach and cody <laughs> yes no but it's like a, all mixed together if you're an eight-year-old girl watching this this is like all you've ever wanted like this girl is running around the plaza hotel in new york like it doesn't get better than that okay okay That's- i can respect i can respect that then because you know i mean i don't think i'd enjoy it now but i could definitely yeah. see myself enjoying it when i was like 10 but but since i already said my number two is elf my number i'll say my number six or which didn't make the list okay which is die hard okay do your little thing it is a christmas movie because he goes home or he goes to his divorced wife to actually no they're not divorced yet he goes to visit his wife because He's trying to make up for her in time for Christmas, and he wants to surprise her at a Christmas party, her company Christmas party. And then, you know, obviously all the Die Hard stuff happens. But Die Hard is probably one of the most perfect action movies of all time, of all time. And the way they made it, it's also on Netflix. It's one of the the other movies, like How It Was Made. There's one about Die Hard, and it's hilarious and really interesting. I mean, like John McClane's, like, wife beater, that he wears throughout the entirety of the film is in the Smithsonian. That's how iconic this movie is. Like it has some of the most, some of the best lines ever that I've ever seen. Uh, Alec Rickman is probably one of my favorite villains of all time in this. Like, like he absolutely, Hans Gruber is one of the best all time villains ever. Uh, I, what I like about this movie is like in the eighties, it was, that was like the time of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And like, and, uh, and a few other and, and Sylvester Stallone. No, but like in terms of action stars, like yes. other movies that came up for that, like Predator, all the stuff where literally everyone is jacked beyond that. Like that was the action hero of the eighties were these, these jacked up macho men. And then in comes John McClane, the guy who looks like your dad, like, <laughs> like, like, like Bruce Willis in this movie just completely turned the whole action hero genre on its head. That's it's like, great. Oh yeah. Instead. Cause everything after this, all the movies, like, Die Hard on a Bus with, um, was, a sp- um, Speed. Speed. With, uh, yeah. Third fucking movie. Yeah, like, Speed. Everything after that was trying to, like, White House Down and, uh, all these different, all, a bunch of different things that were Die Hard ripoffs, pretty much. Not ripoffs, but, like, just the whole concept of it where a cop or an ex-military normal ever, everyday man is kind of put to the test because he's trapped in a bad situation. It, it got it kind of started that. So like, I loved that. I loved how it was just so well-made. It's so 80s, so cheesy. And it's the spirit of Christmas. Kill European terrorists, baby. I, I yield my time. Yeah, I yield my time. Uh, but that was my number six because my number two was Elf. And we already talked about how iconic that movie is. Well, your number one is my number two. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. That's so, right. so... Yeah, so we'll go ahead and talk about that then, and then we'll end with your number one. So yes. my number one and your number two was It's, it's a, a Wonderful, wonderful life. life. 
Yes. That's that's really cute of us. Uh, it's adorable. No, but I, I love this movie, and I talked about it on my blog post. <laughs> Quick plug-in, I have a blog post. Um, I, he does things before the podcast, and it makes me angry, because I'm like, why didn't you come to me with this before? <laughs> but I talk about how much I love uh, It's a Wonderful Life for its message, and I don't know, it's something that like I've noticed just, you know, recently is something I've been like, a, like kind of very much like looking into and like being passionate about it's just like men's mental health like I just think that it's something that like isn't talked about enough and I think that you know this is a really good it's just something that can I would encourage anyone to watch because it's like if you're ever actually feeling depressed because like I mean everyone gets in those moods where you're like what what if I died like who would really care like you know, I don't like my friends would get over me, blah, blah, blah. You don't really think about how much of an impact you have on people's lives. Like you don't know the extent of it. And it's just one of those things where it's like, it's so important, I think now. And I think it perfectly kind of, it perfectly encapsulates the spirit of Christmas, I feel like. Because Christmas to me, you know, is more so about being with like, you know, like your family and your friends, especially now, like when you come home from Christmas, from college or where you live and you come home and you know, you get to see your friends from home and, and whatnot. And, you know, if they're still, you know, obviously if they still live around you, but, you know, it's very much kind of a reunion of sorts. You see your family, obviously pre-COVID and, you know, everything like that. And it's, I don't know, I've always had fond memories of Christmas and this kind of always, this is the Christmas movie that we watch every year on Christmas day. And it's always kind of sat with me a little bit, just, you know, I think it's a good mentality to have about life. Is everyone crying? I can I'm, hear everyone crying. I'm, Is everyone crying right now? Did I get you to cry? I'm crying. I'm really weak. I might start <laughs> crying. I I completely agree. I I actually tried watching it a couple of days ago, um, and during my isolation, and I it started Uh-oh. and I was like I was like no I can't do it. You can't do it. Not um, when you're alone. I was like no. Um, I think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful love story. Um, and. You know, there. I was watching this interview because George Clooney is doing his little press tour for his silly little Netflix movie um, about space that's coming out. And I don't know. Silly what, little. It's already out. It's already out. I, I didn't hear film. great reviews. Um, and he was talking about how It's a Wonderful Life could never be made today because, or wouldn't be the same if it was made today because if it had been made today, then you know, the villain, it would have been imperative that the villain gets carried out in handcuffs and we see how he gets justice and how in It's a Wonderful Life, like that's not the ending. Like the ending is about like the family making it through and like moving forward and having hope and like the spirit of Christmas. And it's not about, you know, making sure the bad guy gets what's coming for him. And I think that today that's like something that's so expected, but in reality, that's how it is you know you don't always see like that that's not what's always important um uh, that's, that, that, that's actually that's a good point i think that i think if they made i I, w- I would personally love to see a remake of a wonderful life um but like adapted for the modern like a modern take on it like because you know a lot of, obviously a lot of the stuff in it can get lost in translation because you know it's ooh. Ooh, it's a wonderful life, but kind of in a COVID environment because I because like that would be that would be interesting though because I feel like that's COVID has kind of given birth to a lot of like you know 
it hasn't been good with people who you know suffer from anxiety and depression and like i think it could be a re- I, I think it could be a cool like take on it like to really to really kind of buckle down and see how social media would play into it how I, I have no idea where I would go with that, but no, I think I it would be interesting. Saying. I personally will not be watching any movies that have to do with COVID. Um, <laughs> like, I don't want to see Lady Bird get COVID. Like, I don't, I have no <laughs> thing. Saoirse Ronan have Okay, COVID. maybe not COVID, but like yeah, in a virtual. Saying. And like, yeah. the thing is, it's like it, this year has left such, such a deep psychological impact on all of us. And like, we are going to see its presence in art in the upcoming years and and the thing is is like as it should be and as it will be because this will not be forgotten forever and that's going to permeate into everything we create slash are creating um but i mean you're not wrong like the the themes of this like would translate well into like this scenario yeah exactly or at least like how our generation views like you know, like, oh, like, especially social media, like he, like, you know, George Bailey is like, you know, oh, everyone would be better off without me. You know, he like, you know, uh, what if I didn't exist type thing. And then today it's a lot more like, you know, everyone is better than me. Everyone has such a better life than me. Social media, these people are all off partying with their friends. I haven't left my apartment in seven days. Like, you know, does everyone hate me? That kind of stuff. I think that could be played a lot better today if it was done right if it was done right though i don't want to see something like melodramatic and like dawson's creek type <laughs> riverdale type dumb shit that's too over dramatic okay but, okay uh, uh let's talk about then your number one pick um this did not make your list i don't think you've seen this movie um but it's definitely a very popular one it's my my favorite christmas movie is love actually uh, uh exhale um okay i mean what are your problems it's kind of weird when you break down each individual love story it's kind of like a bunch of half-assed like stories like why why have one drawn out like well-written love story when you can do like five half-assed underdeveloped love stories and stitch them together I'm a sucker for, I don't know what the name of these movies are, but I, well, and this is the best one, but I'm a sucker for like the New Year's movie, the Valentine's Day movie, where they get like 30 actors and actresses. Okay. You like the famous vibe where it's a bunch of tiny little stories, but it's all famous people interacting with each other? Yeah. Like I'm a sucker for, like, I'm not saying Valentine's Day is a cinematic masterpiece, but like, I'm not going to act like I don't love seeing 40 famous actors and actresses. Somehow. Is, is that why you like um he's just not that into you yeah like i love it's that's he's just not that into you i would say is in that grouping yes i i like i don't what's the name i don't know what those are called but it's like i love having all of those storylines and it not making sense and then halfway through you're like they're siblings like it's silly <laughs> but I don't know. I really love, I really love love actually. And it's like, I think it has a really sweet message. I think that the opening scene and the ending scene at the airport are really sweet and well-written and fun fact, all of those people hugging at the airport, like was just like them sitting there and camping out for like a week and filming people. Um, 
but I think it's a really sweet movie. And yes, there are some storylines that I'm like, oh God, not this. Like the Laura Linney one, I'm like, get that away from me. But which one? Which one was that? It's just like Laura Linney and she works in Alan Rickman's office and she's in love with the guy and he knows and she knows and it's really sad and her brother is... I remember a couple of the storylines being like low-key depressing. Oh, no. Like Alan Rickman like is essentially cheating on... um, Oh, yeah. That's the cheating storyline. Yeah. Like she finds the necklace and he's not, he's giving it to his, his assistant, but like, I love like the Hugh Grant, the, the joke, someone sent me a tweet yesterday. It was like, I love that in love. Actually, none of us know any of the character's name. And I'm like, that's true. I literally am like prime minister, Hugh Grant. Um, <laughs> also something that haunts me is that Thomas Brody Sangster, who killed it recently in the Queen's Gambit and Kira Knightley are both in that movie and they are only five years apart in age. But Kira Knightley is playing an adult getting married, and she's like 19 only. And Thomas Brody Singster is literally 13 years old, but he looks like he's six. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh, the kid who plays um, Liam Neeson's son? Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's the, he's the one that the girls are weirdly simping over from the Queen's Gambit. Yes, I'm one of them. I'm not proud of it, but I accept it. Was Kira Knightley really only 19 in that? Yes, which is infuriating. In- absolutely infuriating that she looked the way she did. Also, I want someone to do that for my wedding when the little instruments jump out. I love that. See, I, I've only seen like certain bit. Like I've, I've seen Love Actually in like 20 to 30 minute increments. Yeah, that's like, how never, Never the same 20, 30 minutes. Like, like maybe from like 10 minutes to 25 minutes. And then maybe from the 15 minute mark to the 30 minute mark, like going in between cutting, but there's like big chunks that I haven't seen. I haven't seen it at all in order. So I really don't have much of a memory besides like how weird certain plot lines were. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those movies, like this is my mom's favorite, like moms love it. I'm sure your mom loves it. Oh, they, my mom and sister, they watch it every single time. Colin Firth jumping in the lake. Girls go crazy for that. They're, like, there's so many... Colin Firth is in this? Yeah. He's the writer who leaves Keira Knightley's wedding. Oh, wait. Yes. Go home only to find his quote-unquote sick wife is sleeping with his brother. Right, right, right. Okay. Colin Firth. Got it. Um, but... There were a lot of famous... <laughs> Rowan... <laughs> Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean is in this? Yes. So fun fact about that is that he appears to wrap the necklace for Liam. See, once again, like, I don't know their names. For Liam Neeson's character when he's, you know, cheating on his wife. And then he appears again in the airport to help little Thomas Brody, Sangster, run through. And apparently the director wanted to make him like the angel, like a supernatural being. But at that point in the film like he wanted to do a scene to like show proof that he was an angel the writers were like this is too much like we can't introduce the supernatural an actual fucking angel that would be the fucking icing on the cake yeah but that is technically like what his character is supposed to represent okay mr bean the angel (laughs) (laughs) mr bean the angel of our dreams i think that would that would dismantle that movie immediately if like Okay, I'm taking it seriously. I'm taking it a little seriously. 
Okay, here comes Mr. Bean with angel wings, like announcing the birth of baby Jesus. Never mind. Yeah, it's there. There's a there. Are, there's a lot of fun facts about that movie, but that that's one of my favorites. But I don't know. I love that movie. It's a good one. It's it's worth a rewatch every year, every other year, whatever you want. So okay, so those are our top five. There's something I've always wondered. Why do you think? Why do you think there are not as many Christmas movies anymore? I feel like they aren't made often. Like maybe it's because I'm looking at it, I'm more aware, and maybe they always haven't been super frequent. But I feel like nowadays, unless it's a love story, a cheesy love story from Hallmark or net one of those shitty Netflix things they shit out every now and then, like I feel like there's not really well flushed out Christmas stories anymore. Well, I think that's because also like a lot of the good Christmas stories are mostly good because they're classics. That's true. That's a good point. But there's so much, a lot of them are so similar. I feel like there's so much room for, I don't know, maybe like new takes, new stories. I don't know. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I feel like there's like so many more options. When I Googled it, I was like, oh my God, that's a lot of movies. And, you know, Hallmark, you know, pumps out like 30 every year. And we're like, oh yeah, there's Kringle and the woman that's cold and mean coming home to visit her family in Minnesota. And then she gets snowed in and can't go back to New York and falls in love with the Baker man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that a, was that a tweet or was that a tweet or a TikTok? I just freestyled that. I don't know. No, you did not. That's no, you didn't. That's from a, that's from a tweet. It's not, I mean, I'm sure it is from a tweet because it's like every, like, it's not like that wasn't that clever. But it, 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 the tweet literally said, uh, like, like a uh, businesswoman gets trapped with her family and falls in love with the Baker man. Clever. I, I didn't, I thought you were going to make fun of me for calling him the Baker man. So I really. No, like there's literally a tweet or TikTok that says that. I, I know it. You took it from that. You're lying. I'm not plagiar. I mean, I'm sure I am plagiarizing, but it's because like everyone has that. Everyone Katie, has you've been that. found out. I'm sorry but I have to take you off the podcast. <laughs> but, but you've been, been plagiarized <laughs> and it's not, it's not even an MLA format. I'm gonna have to report you to academic honesty. Um, I think also a reason is because we're getting older now and we're not actively seeking out new Christmas movies. I think that we're holding on to what childhood we have left. And by doing this, we're watching the ones we watched when we were kids. That's true. And Okay, I guess another point of that would be from a studio's perspective, this would only get watched if you released it during Christmas time. But then after that, no one's, we're not watching Elf or, it's, or Rudolph or any of these movies at any other point during the year. So yeah. financially, I guess it doesn't really make sense. It's a risk, like, because the, the same amount of budget goes into it. Yeah, not, okay. I mean, sales spike. I don't know, I think like, like I haven't seen Klaus, which did really, which I, uh, was nominated was nominated for animated film um Klaus? netflix um two years ago and got apparently it's really well done um but i mean they, they do come out with christmas movies i just still i just think that i i think that there's more than you realize and like a lot of them are just stupid like i'm gonna be honest like that like i think christmas movies are cute but i think a lot of them are objectively dumb yeah I mean, I'm sorry. And I don't, and like people are going to roll their eyes and be like, you're a snob for saying that. And it's like, well, I don't like, but also it's like, that's like a, that's objectively true. 
Like, they're not good movies because they're not going for awards because they're a Christmas movie. Yeah, and I guess also because the themes are typically, like, well, one, like, Christmas, if you're doing it from, like, the super, like, the if it has to do with Santa, obviously it's going to have to be ridiculous because Santa's a ridiculous concept. But exactly. if you're going for the spirit of Christmas, like, no one's going to watch a Christmas movie if it's, like, if it deals with the moral moral complexities or if it deals with, like, any, like, deep, dark themes. They want to feel happy. Like, it has to be simple. Like, like Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't want to be the baker man. Like, he doesn't want... Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I, 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 I get that. That's why it's so hard to really talk about Christmas movies, like, ranking them because it's different for literally i talked to so many people about it after i like after i tried to make that list i was like texting people like what are your top like you five talk, you talk to other people about movies like yeah talking yeah. to other people about movies i have other podcasts too but no I, I like i get that and when i was asking other people they were all like no one had the same i don't barely anyone had the same top five like like actual like individual movies like there are some people who have completely different movies in their top five, like five totally different movies, like from person to person. Like it's different based off literally every single metric. And it makes yeah. sense because like Christmas is different for everyone. Because like think of all the movies we didn't include. Like we didn't talk about Rudolph or Frosty or the- Or a Christmas Story. We didn't talk about a Christmas Story. That's like one of the biggest classics. That is a good one. But like we missed a lot. And I it also though, like it's just also, I mean, if it was about anything else besides Christmas, it'd be a bad movie. Yes. Like, if you take the Christmas aspect out of a lot of these, like, it, they just wouldn't be, they'd be more Hallmark specials than anything else. Um, are, we, are we missing anything else? I feel like we covered it. Yeah, I think we did. Let's, let's call it there. I'm going to stop recording. Is that, how does that sound? Uh, do our, let's ask the fans. How does that sound? <laughs> how does that sound? See you next time. We're going to be talking about Ryan Murphy TV shows. And I'll know nothing about that, so I'll just act like an idiot and maybe be just a tad bit sexist to piss them off. <sighs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs>